0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventures or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. Before we get into the next episode, I want to remind you all that this is brought to you by Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort in Ballymoney, County Wexford so thrilled to have such a beautiful hotel on board sponsoring solo parent and of course they are offering their flying solo packages which is so great for anyone who's thinking about going away on their own for some relaxing rejuvenation and some me time the package that they offer is an overnight bed and breakfast in one of their deluxe bedrooms thermal suite access in their award-winning Oceo spa And a three course evening meal in their village bar and grill. I really recommend doing a James Cavanaugh on it and ordering your dessert to your room, getting into your robe, turning on the TV, and indulging in some binge watching of Netflix while you're there as well. It is utter bliss to be able to spend some time by yourself and uh luxuriating in such a wonderful hotel as Seafield Hotel and Spy Resort as I said last week, they have given me one of these packages to give away as a prize to one of my readers, listeners, <laughs> should I say, that's me too long working in the world of magazines, but to one of my lucky listeners will get uh, a flying solo package. All you need to do is follow me on Instagram, ask underscore Ariana Dunn and tag me and them actually, if you can tag Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort as well in a solo endeavor that You are doing. Maybe it's a solo walk. Maybe you're going out for a meal by yourself, going to the cinema. Maybe you've just booked a solo travel break. Maybe you're celebrating singledom. Maybe you have gone and had a fertility conversation um, about having a baby on your own. Um, Whatever it might be, maybe you've booked a a solo weekend away, a solo break, a solo travel experience, anything that you're doing on your own. Please just show what you are doing. Celebrate soloism. Hashtag solo powered. Tag me, tag Seafield and you'll be in with the chance of winning one of these fabulous solo breaks. Um, I think it's really important that we celebrate ourselves, that we live for the now, that we live for the moment. Something I think you'll really understand when you listen to this next episode. I really hope you enjoy it. This episode of the podcast is going to be a little bit different. It might be a little bit emotional because I have a gorgeous girl in the standby waiting to chat to me. Callie Adams is a very, very good friend of Megan Nelms. Anyone who follows me on Instagram and followed my journey while I was solo traveling may have seen a post that I posted around about this time last year um, of a beautiful girl called Megan who I met while solo traveling. I'm going to read out the post that I wrote because I think it really encapsulates um, how I felt at the time um, and it encapsulates a, a lot about the journey that Megan was on, how I met her and why we're now here talking to Callie and not Megan herself. So the post it was a picture of uh, Megan and I and Molly and some people that we met while we were on a pub crawl on the very first night that I met her. And it says... I've met and made friends with lots of lovely, wonderful new people on my journey this year. One of the first new friends I made was this beautiful, sweet, brave American girl called Megan. We met in Paris on an Airbnb pub crawl and immediately became friends. We were both solo traveling our way around Europe. She missed her dog, Willow, and loved Molly, and Molly loved her. Over the few short weeks I was in Paris, we met up several times for drinks, lunch, and catch-ups. I even met her sister and some of her visiting friends. Megan was living her life to the fullest after undergoing two life-saving stem cell cancer treatments gifted to her by her loving parents. We talked at length about our plans traveling, cities we wanted to visit and places we wanted to see. She went to London, Amsterdam, Nice and Menton in the time I was in Paris. She was determined to see and do as much as she could before returning home. She had just graduated as a doctor and was about to embark on a residency program back in America. But what she really wanted to do was travel more feel free and unconstrained. And so we talked at length about all the different types of work she could do to help her stay on the road as long as possible. She later said our talk inspired her as she deferred her residency and took up medical writing. We had plans to meet up again in Spain or Italy or wherever. I happened to be in Europe at the time, but life is cruel. So very sadly, Megan passed away today. She was far too young and far too fabulous to have her lovely light extinguished from this world. She inspired me then and she inspires me now. Don't wait until the time is right to live the life you want to lead. Live it every damn day. I finished the post with a quote by John Steinbeck, which was a favourite quote of Megan's that says, a kind of light spread out from her and everything changed colour and the world opened up and a day was good to awaken to. And there were no more limits to anything. And the people of the world were good and handsome. And I was not afraid anymore. Um... That was uh, uh the 23rd of October, 2022. So this podcast is going to be going out on her anniversary. Um, And it will be a, a year since she has passed away. And in that time, I have connected with her mom, Marcy, who recently came to Ireland and I visited her with her sister, Abby, who I hope is going to be coming with many of her friends who reached out and we exchanged messages. Um, And, you know, I won't lie and say that she wasn't a big inspiration for me to do this podcast the whole purpose of this podcast was to try and encourage people to live their life and to live the most full life that they can and i think you know meeting Megan and seeing how she was living her life but seeing how her life was 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 taken away so so young um was something that I felt you know people really need to embrace life and, and and live it as best they can so I wanted to talk about Megan on the podcast I wanted to honor her anniversary and um I reached out to Callie who I met that was one of those lovely friends that I met in Paris while Megan was there and Callie has really graciously come on and agreed to talk to us about Megan. So, Callie, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about Megan and um, and her travels a bit. Good. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about your friendship. How did
0: you meet Megan? Tell us, take, take us back to, to all of that and how you guys became friends.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, this is actually um was something we were trying to figure out over the last several years when exactly and how we met. Um, We became friends in middle school. We went to the same middle school. Um, We think it was through softball, although we played several sports together. Um, And we just kind of immediately hit it off as kids. Um, Megan had such a good sense of humor. um, And so I was just I was so attracted to sort of like the light of her. And, you know, she was if you stood close enough to her, like you were always hearing little jokes she was making under her breath. Um, She was always, you know, goofing around, having a good time. So I remember I mean, I've loved Megan since I met her um and which I think was probably we were probably 12 or, or something like that wow so we we played sports together in middle school we were we were really close um we remained close through high school where we played tennis together um and throughout the years although our our paths kind of split we went to different colleges um and you know lived in in sort of different places we we kept somewhat close over the years. So we, um, you know, probably a few times a year when she was in my part of town, we would catch up and have lunch or, um, we would meet up and go to yoga together. Um, and then when Megan was first diagnosed with AML, um, the, the type of leukemia that she was diagnosed with in 2019, um, she let me know, you know, right when it happened. Um, and, she was staying in Atlanta for, um, treatment. She and her mother moved to an apartment, um, pretty close to the hospital where she was receiving treatment. Um, so, which was, you know, not fortunately, but it was, you know, closer to where I lived and I I got to see a lot more of her. Then we, um, we started, you know, really spending more time together. I would go visit her, um, you know, at her apartment and, um, so we were able to really rekindle kind of the the friendship that we had in middle school and high school uh as if no time had passed um and the whole time that she you know was in treatment i mean she was so brave through the whole thing and she was like when i'm on the other side of this i want to travel together like i um i have been lucky enough to travel um, a fair amount throughout the last several years, just with having remote jobs and, um, you know, some, some flexibility. And she was insistent that when she was, um, you know, out of treatment and, um, in, you know, she, she was in remission from her leukemia that we would travel. She wanted to go to Europe. Um, and I promised her that I would. So, um, then we on her 28th, 29th birthday, um, we were at a we were all out, a bunch of friends, and she said she had she had been to Paris one time. She was planning on going back in the spring, and she held both of my hands. Megan was always holding both of your hands, <laughs> and um she said, you know. I'm going to Paris in the fall, in the spring. Will you meet me there? So right there on the spot, you know, several drinks in. And I was like, of course I will. We're gonna, I'm gonna meet you in Paris. Um, and that sort of began our, our journey of traveling together um, in 2022. So um, I went and visited her in February at the end of February. My birthday is at the end of February. So that was a good excuse to go to Paris um and that's right that's where i met you yeah um and we spent a week traveling uh the south of france um and then a little bit of time in paris um and then last summer we went to a friend's wedding in was it yeah last summer we went to a friend's wedding in bulgaria um Who was sort of it was it was a very nice full circle moment this friend bailey um was sort of part of our traveling or sort of part of our trio when we were in middle school so um we were able to travel to bulgaria to see her get married um and then we went to greece um where another friend was getting married and we just spent some time on the beach um, so I, I luckily was, you know, able to really fulfill my promise to travel with her. We had such a nice time. Um, and yeah, so that, uh, amazing. And it was,
0: I, I was laughing cause I know, you know, I didn't get to spend very much time with Megan at all. It was literally a few short weeks, but it was, she's just exactly like you said, she's the type of person who just radiated this lovely light from her. She was so fabulous. And because I suppose you know to to tell the story of how I met her. Um... It was February 18th, I remember, because it was the anniversary, my mom and dad's anniversary. My, pa- my father had passed away 16 years ago, but it was always a date that stuck out in my mind. And I had moved, I had left Ireland on the 4th of February to take this year traveling around around Europe, Molly and I. And my first stop was Paris. My sister lived in Paris and I visited many, many times, but I'd never lived there. And I wanted to have that experience. So um, I got to Paris around about the 7th of February. And I had um, booked myself into this little studio apartment right in the uh, Montmartre. And it was, uh, I, I felt very cool, very Parisian and very French. Um, and I wanted to kind of, you know, meet new people. And so I saw on Airbnb that they arranged these kind of big Paris pub crawl that was what it was called and so I booked myself onto that and I remember it was like a kind of a clear crisp February evening and we our meeting point was actually right in front of the Bataclan where those terrorist attacks had happened I hadn't been in that area of Paris in a long time and we were standing kind of we were our meeting point was in sort of the you know those big avenues in Paris and that the meeting point was sort of in the middle of those big avenues and a concrete area and I remember going, and Miguel, who I'm sure you probably met, was was there. He organised. Uh, he was a Spanish guy who organised these Airbnb pub crawls. Megan became quite good friends with him over the time because it turns out this wasn't her first pub crawl that she was on. She had been <laughs> on a few of them. Um, and uh, I remember just kind of you know announcing myself to the to the organiser, and there was a couple of people. There was a few couples around. There was a a French girl and her friend. There was some, a Mexican couple. There was a swedish couple there was a a guy from austria who was on his own a guy from mexico and then there was megan and i just she was standing by herself and i just said hi how are you i'm Mariana, and she was like hi i'm megan and i asked her where she was from and she said she was from america from atlanta and i explained that i was from dublin and we were two so, there's two solo girls so we just kind of bonded and um when we embarked on our first sort of you know trip down the street to find this first pub that was on this pub girl, we kind of immediately just sort of like were drawn to one another. And so we sort of spent the rest of the evening then in one another's company. Um and she told me that night that and I complimented her hair because she had a lovely little pixie haircut. And I said, I love your hair. And she said, Oh thanks. It's a cancer grow out. Like super, super quick like that, you know. And I remember being really shocked because she looked so healthy and and vibrant and it kind of it shocked me a little bit when she said that. Um, but I also thought like fair fucking play to her for just sort of saying it out there and not kind of hiding it and not denying it. It was so much, you know, I loved that about her. Um, and we we swapped numbers that night and we met up several times throughout my time in Paris, but I, I left Paris in, in March and, um, so it wasn't a huge amount of time that we got to spend together but the time that we did spend together was really great and we really got to know each other and we really bonded and and we had very candid conversations with one another about life and about what we wanted from life and we talked about her cancer and and all of that so um you know in terms of her when she was when she was sick and you know the plans that she made for wanting to kind of uh, travel obviously uh, i mentioned that she had just trained to be a doctor um, and I met her mom recently, um as I said, in Ireland, and her mom kind of filled me in a little bit more in relation to what happened with regards to Megan kind of coming to Paris on her own um she was just in recovery really right so she she was um she told me Marcy had told me that a friend of hers had booked flights for Megan to leave within one week or something and um, they all thought that it would be much longer than that before she would go and that Megan most adults have 250,000 white platelets in their body or something and Megan had 16,000 when she got on that plane to go to to Paris so she was certainly determined it seems to fulfil this this dream of hers do you feel that she had an idea that maybe her time was limited or do you think that she was kind of just embracing life what was your feeling in, in relation to how she was thinking about things at the time
1: oh yeah absolutely she felt her time was limited um I think p- part of the you know kind of cruel um reality of having just finished med school is that Megan really understood what was happening in her body and um you know she I, I think that was a good thing in a way like it gave her a feeling of empowerment over her health care and you know she could really talk to the doctors you know, as, as peers almost rather than just, you know, completely deferentially. Um, but it also means that she, I think was very realistic about, you know, um, her prognosis and the likelihood of the cancer returning. Um, I believe, and I, I wish I could fact check this with Marcy, but, um, I, I think that she received some sort of prognosis, like, you know, there was a, five, only a 5% or 10% chance that she would live past five more years. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. And and she was very aware of that and, you know, felt that the time that she had, um, was precious and especially that the time that she had while she was in remission. So, um, when she, Megan first was diagnosed and started treatment for, um, her leukemia in, you know, I'm saying so many hard facts in this and Marcy's going to listen to it and be able to really fact check me on it. Um, But I think it was April of 2019 when she first started treatment. So even before COVID hit the world, she was had to be so isolated because um, basically to treat her form of leukemia um, you, or maybe any form of leukemia, they basically just like nuke the entire immune system. So she was in a really, really immunocompromised state, um, for about a full year before COVID hit. So, um, I think she felt like, you know, I mean, everyone experienced it to an extent during COVID, but Megan, um, you know, for a full year before that was in extreme isolation, um, you know had to be really careful about who she was around and you know what risks she was exposing herself to so I think that made when when she entered remission and sort of knew that time was limited she was like this is right this opportunity is right in front of me and I have to take it while I can mm-hmm. um so she was really um realistic about what was going on I think she you know had hope. Um, but she knew, you know, she had to live for the moment. She had to really enjoy the present and take any opportunities that came her way. Um, and you could really tell that in the way that she lived. I mean, she was just so extremely present. Um, if she was talking to you, I mean, she was really, really talking to you and she was really engaged and she was so like full of life. And, um, she was, she was loved to indulge. You know, she would, you know, she went to, I think every one of the top restaurants in Paris, she was a huge foodie. And I mean, she always had this sort of attitude of like, I'm in Paris right now. I have this opportunity right now. These credit card bills will come later. That's something that can be sorted out later. But you know, this, oppor- I, I have to take this opportunity that's right in front of me. Um, she was so funny. She, um, one time we were, we went to dinner and she ordered a steak for dessert. We had full (laughs) meals, she ordered a steak for dessert. I mean, it was things like that. Like she (laughs) was like, I am, I mean, she knew what she wanted. She was in the moment. She was like, I don't want, I don't want tiramisu. I want a steak. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but she loved, she was definitely, and i mean, I think this is why we kind of bonded so much as well, because you're absolutely right. She was so present, she was so engaged, you know. Like I say, that the short time that I spent with seemed like much longer because of I probably because of how present she was and because of, you know, how connected you felt to her when you were in her company. Um, but We, I'm a massive foodie, and so was she. So we would talk all the time about food, and I know she loved figs, and she was always in search of this elusive like perfect fig dish that she was ordering in all of the the Michelin restaurants and all of that kind of thing. And I remember when you know you guys, because actually in the time that I knew her, as I said, she went to London. Abby came over, her sister. They went to London. She met some friends in Amsterdam, and then with you, you went down to Nice and Menton. And I remember her showing me all the pictures. And I mean, you you couldn't have got a nicer place down in niece where you were like these beautiful views like super bougie and it's just super fabulous and she would kind of say oh I I know I know it's so nice but I don't care I'm like you know this is just it's all something I've always wanted to do it's something I've always wanted to experience and um and yeah like we like because I was trying my whole plan was to travel around Europe so you know she was going to come to Spain and she was going to come to Italy and you know, I, I would love to have met her in all of those places. I just think she would have been so fun. We would have had the most lovely time and the most wonderful food. Because, yeah, I mean, like, let's talk about Megan, I suppose, for a little, like, a into you know, instead of focusing on the cancer and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I mean. She was so smart. This is what I was saying to Marcy. You must have been so proud of, of her. And, and and she, but Marcy pushed, of course she was. Marcy's a really funny, cool, laid back parent. She was like, Yeah, I was. But, you know, I didn't care whether she wanted to be a doctor. You know, I was like, Be whatever you want to be. You know, like they never kind of pushed her and Abby to kind of be academic or anything like that. So, What was she like in school? Was she was she quite academic? Was she quite nerdy? Was she quite outgoing? Was she like you know thinking of the typical high school setup with the jocks and the cheerleaders and all of that kind
1: of thing? (laughs) Yeah, like then. Yeah, she was. um, I mean, Megan was such an athlete. Like I, um, I, I don't know that I ever had a class with her past middle school, Um, but my main the main way that we would see each other was with with sports. And she was so extremely talented at whatever sport she decided to pick up. I mean, I think she played basketball for years. She played softball, which she um apparently hated every moment of. I think she played like one season of softball, but she was, of course, really good. at it. She played tennis for years and she was extremely good at tennis. I mean, I think the moment she picked it up, she was just a natural and, you know, instantly good at it. Um, we didn't have so many classes together, but yeah, she was, she was extremely smart. Um, she was extremely, I mean, if she set her mind to doing something, she was going to do it. And I'm not sure when med school and becoming a doctor sort of, um, settled in as, as the plan, Um, but I mean, she had her mindset on going to med school. She, you know, went through this really rigorous undergraduate program to qualify for it. She went through, you know, the entire med school and, you know, which is extremely difficult and pretty brutal. They really, um, put you through the ringer. Um, and she just, I mean, put her head down and did it. I mean, she, decided that that was what she wanted to do. And, and she, she did it. And that was just really like how she approached things. Like if she wanted something, she, she wasn't pushy and she wasn't, you know, asking for things that she, you know, hadn't earned or anything like that, but she Figured out what she wanted and she went for it and she figured out a way and I I really respect that about her I think um, as someone who I, I it can be difficult for me to ask for what I want or to you know really um, to really do that and she just uh, would would figure out what it was and then go after it. Mm. She I, I
0: described her as a little vixen. She said her spirit animal was a dolphin. And one of the posts I put up, I described her as a little vixen because she had this wily, mischievous. She always had this sort of glint in her eye as well. There was always something that she was kind of thinking that was gonna be something naughty. And I think I I, I think I joked with her as well because I love Grey's Anatomy and I, I i feel like i know an awful lot about the medical system in the us because of having watched so many i feel like i could be a lawyer having watched the good wife so much as well <laughs> right but um um but i kind of joked with her that she probably wanted to become a doctor because she'd watched Grey's anatomy and thought there would be lots of like hot boys and hot doctors in kind of uh she was uh, uh, she really loved love as well didn't she she you know in the time that i met her she was dating a couple of different guys and i know marcy's going to be listening to this so we won't go into too much detail but she she loved kind of love and she was like always sort of lovely wanting to have like conversation about like guys and dating and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. Right. Did you, Was that ex- your experience as well? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, she was perpetually lovesick over. Yeah, over <laughs> <someone>. <laughs> yeah I think there were I mean, there were two main um love interests in Paris. And I mean, of course she didn't stand a chance. Megan is such a romantic. And of course she didn't stand a chance against these, these French guys who knew, (laughs) I mean, American guys, I hate to say it are not the most charming in the world. (laughs) So going to France, it's like, you really have to be (laughs) there. They really know what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, she, there were a couple of guys there she was, um, involved with and so heart sick over and, you know, um, And then she actually somewhere in 2022, she met Cooper, Mm -hmm. who um, became her boyfriend um, pretty quickly. And, and, you know, they were immediately inseparable. I mean, they were the way she would talk about their time together was it it sounded like the middle school dream. You know, they were like laying on the bed, listening to a, pl- a mixed tape that he made and wow. they were, you know, just, she was so instantly in love and instantly, you know, she really was so open to love. And I think not even just as she loved boys and she was so boy crazy, but I think, even like platonic love. I think she was so open to it in a way that's so unique to see. Um, And that was something I always really loved and admired about her. I think um, for adults, it's hard to accept love and to, you know, meet someone and think like, they're saying that you can stay with me anytime. And they actually mean that, you know, (laughs) I think she really would, she she talked about you all the time and she would say like, oh, I'm going to go stay with Ariana. She's in Spain. She's, you know, and- she really knew like we had this connection. She meant it. I will accept the love that she's giving to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's really beautiful. That's something that I always really, really admired about her.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, I got, I got that from Marcy too, you know, Marcy was inviting me and I've, I've invited Marcy and Reg and Abby to come and stay with me here and they've invited, you know, to, to, to their home. And I, again, I'll probably, I can absolutely see that happening. You know, I think that was definitely the, um, the vibe that they have as a family—that it is very open, very welcoming, very loving people who just love life—and and and you know—and I'm just looking at her picture here, so I'm probably going to get emotional as well. But like, it's so nice to hear that that she talked that she talks about me because you know she did have an impact on me, and I think she she did. As a, I'm a life coach and a career coach. And so we we some of the sessions, some of sessions, some of the time that we get t- spent together kind of turned into mini sessions, you know. And we, you know, would talk about all the different things that she could do to try and stay on the road. And so, you know, after that she she messaged me to say that it inspired her so much that she did defer her program and that she did take up medical writing and all of those things that we talked about that one of the very first like lunches that we met after first meeting. And so I felt like part of her journey then in a way you know i felt like that that our conversations had allowed her to kind of live life a little bit a little bit more to the full in the short time that she had so it felt an important part of i can i guess my journey as a coach as well to see the impact that that can have um, on another person who you know you know wants to live their life in the best possible way and then for that life to be kind of cut short so um you know I remember seeing on Instagram following her journey of you guys in Greece and in Bulgaria and, and she looked so you know she looked so happy and she was having a great time. Um I know she messaged me and to say that she had to go back to America in the August for a checkup um and I think it was around then that she got re re-di- diagnosed is that right? Um it,
1: yeah it was July or August um we went to bulgaria and greece in june Mm -hmm. um she had been in paris for a week before that i think she saw miguel there went to Mm -hmm. the french open sort of visited some of her favorite spots um and then we went to visit a friend oh we went to go see a friend get married in bulgaria then we went to greece i i think that must have been early to mid-june um and she went home well, we, we sort of split ways. Actually, I got COVID somehow didn't give it to her. Thank God. Um, so I got stuck in Greece because, um, of my COVID. She, she went home separately. Um, and it was not long after that, that she had just a routine checkup and they found that she, um, had relapsed. Her numbers were, were um down and i think i mean of course it was completely devastating and she had all of this travel that she wanted to do and all of these sort of plans that she was so looking forward to but i think she sort of saw um especially our our time in greece um we were on paros which is a an island in the cycladic um islands yeah and she was able to swim in the ocean for the first time since being diagnosed she was i mean like you said she described herself as a dolphin she loved to swim she loved being in the ocean supernatural swimmer of course um and she just felt at home in the ocean she she grew up going to the beach um and so she was able to swim in the mediterranean and you know we had this perfect completely perfect beach day with you know perfect temperature perfect water and I I think that felt like very she felt really complete in that moment and she even said as much I mean she said like tell my mother that I feel fully actualized right now like you know tell her that I have done everything that I want to do so um obviously like the timing of her relapse was terrible and a complete blow to her and to everyone but I think she felt some sort of, um completion as well you know like she really did these things that she wanted to do i think greece was her favorite trip she's ever had and she was just so in her element and engaged and you know full of joy the whole time she was there so i i believe that was last june or july mm-hmm.
0: And obviously she felt like, you know, she was having that the love that she had with Cooper as well. I think, you know, for someone who was so lovesick to have that relationship and to feel... You know the love, and I. I think you know. You know, Marcy did say that she she did give Cooper the chance to to leave the relationship when she when things got really rough and when she got really sick. But I know that he 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 refused to leave and sort of stuck 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 by her side. And 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 as both you and Marcy have said, they were inseparable. So I'm sure that gave me a lot of comfort as well. I kind of knowing how like of a lovesick person that she was. That she when she when she passed, that she was in love and she had someone who loved her and, and you know that, that part of her was fulfilled as well which I think was, is a, was really important um and you know Megan ha- have sort of announced on Instagram she was she was quite um vocal about her 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 cancer on Instagram she loved a, a wig she had lots of different wigs she had a gorgeous like pink wig that she would wear so she would and I think because of the fact that she was in the medical profession as well and she knew. But I think subsequently, um after Megan passed, I I I kind of I read every single post that everyone anywhere you know, I was like a stalker across Instagram. Mm-hmm. I was I couldn't get enough Megan information into me. And um and I know that there was kind of a memoir that was written about her as well um, online. And and I read all of that. And um, it seems to me that you know, as someone who met her very briefly, as someone to as you were a friend of hers in school, we're not the only people that that were touched by Megan in their life. She seems to have had a very, very widespread effect on a lot of people, um, and particularly within the the cancer. Community, I suppose that she found herself in, and um, there was seems to be a lot of people coming on, sort of saying that I did my treatment with Megan, and you know if I hadn't have been for Megan, I wouldn't have got through it, or Megan was so kind. Megan visited me. Megan, you know, brought me soup. Megan, you know, gave me all the information that I needed to be given. You know, and that that just seemed to be happening so m- so many times. It was this kind of recurring theme in in information about Megan. She seemed to be an incredibly caring person who touched a lot of lives um yeah
1: yeah absolutely um so megan she posted quite a bit on instagram sort of throughout her cancer journey um and she found she found a a big community of people with um either with her specific type of leukemia or with cancer in general. Um, I think that was really helpful for her to feel, you know, less alone in her treatment and um, really have other people who understood what she was going through. Um, So I think that was really a a big source of strength for her. And then um, I know that when she was in, remission and she was traveling and, you know, really living her life, that she was a huge source of strength and inspiration to a lot of those people as well, you know, um, especially because even in remission, she was still at higher risk of, you know, getting sick and having complications and and something going wrong. And I think a lot of people in that same situation would really, you know, become a hermit and, you know stay at home and avoid any risk it's really scary i mean it's it's her you feel like your life is in your hands and every with every decision you make um but i think her just sort of braveness in getting out there and taking these opportunities and really really living um was a huge source of inspiration for a lot of that community so i actually had um Megan passed in October and in December, I had a random coworker come up to me and say like, who I had never met. Um, but she said, um, you know, one of my friends who lives in New York has leukemia, had followed Megan on Instagram for years. He, she was like a celebrity to him. She really helped, you know, her story and sort of watching her journey was such a huge inspiration to him in treatment. And um, you know, I, he had posted when Megan passed, you know, and this coworker apparently had followed, had gone to Megan's profile to see who she was and saw that I was yeah. friends with her. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. I'm of course I'm like at work, like crying, <laughs> and an absolute blubbering mess, but it was really beautiful to see, you know, what, what reach she had. And I think, um, that was really amazing for all of her family to see too, you know, all of these people who just kind of came out and said, you know, either they were fellow um survivors of cancer of, of cancer, you know, her type of leukemia, or just people who had met her somewhere along the way that said, you know, Megan had such a huge impact on me. She changed my life in this way. I think, um, there were so many people who had that type of story. Um, so many, so that, um, the Marcy was worried with her memorial service, was worried how many people, you know, if, if this was something that was posted publicly could be hundreds of people coming, (laughs) that you know, that they aren't prepared for. So, um, we had a a sort of smaller, more intimate service and, and she posted something asking, you know, saying, if you want to honor Megan's life, this is how you could show up. But there, there were just so, so many people who were inspired by her found her to be a source of strength and, um, who she cared, I mean, many of them she cared for personally too. She just had such an enormous capacity to care for people, you know, that she had met one time in passing and they, you know, had a nice, they had a nice time chatting or who messaged her on Instagram and they exchanged some messages. Um, She just really, I mean, loved her people so much and I didn't see it as, you know, I need to keep my circle small, and there's this scary stuff happening to me, and I need to kind of close myself off. I mean, she really, really had an enormous capacity to hold space for people, and and she really did. And I think, um, it, it especially like right in the wake of her passing, and that that was really beautiful and inspiring to see. Mm.
0: And speaking about having an impact and changing people's lives, I mean, you talked about being a bubbling mess in your in your job in the December of that year. And so it wasn't long, a few weeks later, that you decided to leave your job. And, and this was something that had been uh, a discussion that you and Megan had been having, that you wanted to take this this year out and kind of have a different experience for yourself. Um, talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, um, so I had been... I've I've basically been working straight through since graduating from college. Um, I was working in tech jobs that um, I liked some more than others, but I really um, felt like I was spending a lot of time and energy on work that was not necessarily feeling fulfilling or, um, or, you know, extremely meaningful to me. Um, And I had... I had this sort of loose dream of taking a full year off to um, travel and just to, I mean, to to travel and to just be home and not have a job. I mean, to go to yoga and go on a long walk and cook a meal that takes a long time and journal and read and have my phone off. Um, And I think, you know, I really had, that was when, when things were really feeling really tough at work or whatever, like I was really attached to this idea. Like I can find a perfect time to leave and take a full year off and like really sort of recalibrate and figure out what I might want to do and just enjoy life. Um, and Megan was a huge inspiration in that. Um, you know, she took, I think she was in Paris for two months or or something like that um and not for any particular reason just to you know enjoy paris and and see what it was like to live there and um really just for like the leisure of it i think um that she really really embraced leisure um and so yeah that was something she and i had talked about a lot i you know, there was a time I was extremely unhappy in my job. Um, but I wanted to stick around, especially with her future being sort of uncertain. And, you know, I didn't want to be too far from home when her health was so precarious. Um, but you know, we, we talked about this a lot and it was, you know, such a nice way to focus on the future and sort of like, you know, this hopeful, I guess this hopeful future. Um, and so, we, yeah, we talked about it a lot. I wanted to um, hike the Camino and she said, you know, if she was around and in good enough health, she was going to meet me in each city. She was absolutely not interested in hiking, but she said she would just meet me in each city and go shopping or go to the spa during the day. <laughs> and we would... Oh God, she's got a weird view of the
0: Camino. I've, I've done the Camino Santiago. There's not a lot of shopping centers on, on that the <laughs> It's really
1: not. but she, you know, if there was one store Megan would find it. She would by the end of the day be best friends with the owner. She'd be having a glass of wine at um, noon. She so. would, she would. <laughs> yeah. So she would she would figure it out. Um, but um, yeah. So it, it was something we talked about a lot. I think it um was, uh, you know, a helpful way to sort of think about. Um, what came after, you know, this, this really rough time. Um, and so I left my job in January. Um, I, I own a condo in town, which I rented to a friend for a full year, um, just so that I wouldn't have, you know, responsibility, financial responsibilities for a while. Um, I moved all of my stuff into my very gracious parents' basement, um, very cool to be a 30-year-old living in your parents' basement. Um, and I left um, at the beginning of March for several months in Latin America. Um, I had some sort of bucket list things that I wanted to do, um, uh, hiking volcanoes in Guatemala. Um, I wanted to go to Patagonia. I wanted to, um, you know, see all of these parts of the world that I had never experienced. Um and I was there for a few months. I came home briefly. Um, and then I um, spent the last several months in Europe. I was in, um, I hiked the Camino in Spain. Um, and then I spent about five weeks in in Portugal. Um, so it, it was really nice. And it was, I, I mean, I thought of Megan so much, you know, the whole time I was there and, and how, you know, at moments I felt really lonely. And I know that Megan felt really lonely at times on her trip. And I, um, feel like I really got to know myself deeply in ways that I hadn't in the past. And I know that's an experience that Megan had. Um, so it was really nice feeling, you know, sort of connected to her and her experience through that. Um, and I feel like I was able to sort of keep a promise that I made to her that, you know, I was like, I, I will stop complaining about this job. (laughs) You know, I I will do the thing that I want to do. Um, and I think, you know, having, talk to her about that so much sort of helped me you know take take the leap uh yeah. to do that and i think um you know she was so aware of like how precious life and health are um and how you know if you have an opportunity you really really have to take it because it might not come around again and um you know you instead of, you know, being sort of obsessive on being really stable and secure now so that you can, so that you can, you know, um, secure this stable future, there's really no way to secure a stable future. And if you have an opportunity now, you know, you really have to take it. And so I think, you know, Megan was obviously really aware of that in a way that, i think many people aren't just due to mm. taking health for granted um but i think you know having spent so much of the last year with her really made me i mean super aware of how precious life is and health and how you know um you you really have to take opportunities mm. um because the window might you know might not I be there and have you enjoyed your
0: experience solar traveling I mean is it do you is it something that you want to continue I mean like some people don't like it and, and find it difficult but like I've been following your journey and I've been reading your posts and like sort of you know we've obviously we connected on Instagram all that time ago in Paris and it looks like you've been having like a, like a fabulous time um and like it's hitting those book a little in in dangerous places you know as well you you know, like South America and like, you know, all these places. Um, but it's, I suppose it's probably been, and I'm making an assumption being quite cathartic for you, having had a heavy latter part of the year, like losing your friend and going through grief, essentially. Um, at, at, You know, I, I am... I've had a lot of people pass away in my life, but I haven't had a very close friend. I haven't lost a very close friend. And I, 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 I can't imagine how, how difficult that must be, especially given the amount of quality time that you guys spent together that, that, that past year, you know. So yeah. the cathartic experience of finding yourself, you know, traveling and, and getting to know yourself a bit better and, and feeling that bit freer, has that helped you through that process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I would say especially so I yeah I spent several months in Latin America. Um and I was really moving around a lot. You know, I was only spending several days at a time in a place usually. Um and so that was a lot of fun but extremely exhausting. And you know, I um y- you know, you can't take <laughs> you can't take security for granted in the same way that you could in in you know a lot of parts of europe and so you're just kind of constantly vigilant about you know where's my stuff do i know what's going on around me i i felt that that was a really fun experience that i'm so grateful to have had but it wasn't really relaxing and i wouldn't say i did a a ton of deep inner work on that trip just because there's like sort of immediate needs right in front of you um but I think that like for, in terms of processing grief and sort of, um, yeah, experiencing some catharsis and, and personal development, I think, I mean, hiking the Camino was, had been a dream of mine for a long time. Um, and I think that really gave me such a good opportunity to be alone and walking for, you know, six, eight hours a day. And, um, it doesn't feel, you know, it, it felt safe and okay to let any emotions come up and to sort of process them and, you know, maybe stop for a little while or maybe keep it moving. Um, I think just like the opportunity to be alone with myself for so many, for so much time, for so many days in a row, um, you know, with a lot of times nothing else happening around me, you know, I think was really helpful for me Um, And going through or experiencing grief while having a job was extremely difficult for me because you have to really be in control of your emotions. You know, like I didn't, it's really does not feel good to be on a meeting and start thinking about something and start crying and, you know, or be in the office and need to go find a place and no one really knows how to handle it. And so I think, um, being somewhere where like, it was safer for emotions to come up and, um, you know, not trying to sort of like stow these thoughts of Megan away in a part of my brain so that they didn't, you know, interrupt what I was doing, but sort of like allowing them to move through freely and, um, think of her and, and honor her felt really helpful and, um, was something I definitely needed. And so, um, that felt like a really great opportunity. Um, and, and beyond the processing grief, I mean, I really had, have had such a nice time and I, um, it's so, I think probably my favorite part of solo travel is, um, I think especially as women, we can be so focused on reading the needs of the people around us and, you know, sort of, putting our own needs to the side and attending to, you know, what the people around us need, because, you know, we have this intuition and we can sort of feel out what what's going on with people. Um, but I think sort of not having anyone around and only being with myself, like allowed me to tap more deeply into, you know, what do I want? What do I need in this moment? Um, and I think it takes some real practice to like learn to hear that voice in yourself, Um, but being, you know, traveling for such extended periods of time on my own, I think it gave me a real, uh, chance to practice that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And I think, you know, that, um, helped, helped me a lot. And I think was a, a huge moment of growth for me.
0: Well, I mean, God, I just have to say thank you because you've just like made a a light bulb moment in my head take off because I was literally just recording another episode of the podcast talking about why I love solo travel so much and actually just reading an article this morning about about being a highly sensitive person, which is what I am, which is this diagnosis of being a highly sensitive person, which I was kind of reading about. And it was just like tick, tick, tick. That's how I am. And in my job as a coach, in, in my position in a big family I've always been reading the needs of others always been reading the needs of you know my clients my family members my friends and I was talking about my joy of solo travel And I think you've just made me hit the nail on the head for me that realization the reason why I love it so much is that I'm not reading the needs of others and I and I am a highly sensitive person so somebody could raise their eyebrow or twitch their lip or you know (laughs) put their hair behind their ear in a certain way. And I'm suddenly, you know, making all kinds of conclusions about what they're thinking and are they happy? And, you know, did I do something? Did I say something? Do they not like where we're sitting? You know, all of these kinds of things. And it's, you know, it's like you talked about when you were in South America, it's that hyper vigilance you know, being hyper-vigilant all of the time. Um, it's not necessarily relaxing. So when I go solo traveling, I don't have that. I have that really, in the nonsense of having to worry about anybody else and just and just being comfortable with myself and and I totally get it. So thank you for clarifying that for me. It was a <laughs> lovely explanation there. But you know, I did the Camino as well. I only did 120 kilometers of it from Saria to uh, Compostela. With my did it with my mom, mm-hmm. and I remember my mom saying to me, you know, on the way there, she was like, "Look now." Sometimes I just like walking by myself and I just like having my own thoughts. And someday, you know, some some for some of the walk, you know, we don't need to be walking together all that. I'm like, geez, oh okay, mom. This be a nice mother-daughter trip, but sure, you know. But it it was that. I mean, it was that some and and you would be, you very naturally just walk ahead or walk behind and you know, very naturally just sort of get chatting to someone who comes along and you say, Bon Camino, and they say, Bon Camino, and then you get chatting, and then that person goes, okay, goodbye, and they carry on walking, and you carry on, and it's just the, the, the it, it it very much is a pilgrimage i mean that is what it is it's a pilgrimage it's a religious pilgrimage that people have been on um for 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 many centuries um but i think when you were talking about it there it really hit home to me that idea of, of pilgrimage and that idea of and you know i i collected little stones along the way i you know i eat i Uh, you think about people you think about loved ones you think about your position in the world but you see other people on that Camino and they're crying some people are like carrying these huge bags on their back which you think is some kind of some form of like flagellation of some kind you know some kind of uh, like it's it's it is a very emotive journey that you're on which sounds crazy because literally is just walking like one foot in front of the other but it's 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 far more than that
1: isn't it um it is. Yeah. I, um, I had, I mean, I had so many special experiences along the way I did. I did the Northern route. So I started in Irun, which is on the coast of France and then walked along the coast, um, I think 830 kilometers or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and there was one place I stayed along the way. It was this convent, um, that had, you know, um, maybe 50 bunk beds or something for, for pilgrims. And one night we, I'm not Catholic, but I loved going to the masses. I just think it felt like it really felt like part of the experience. And um, I think its it was really beautiful to see and just to see other people worshiping. And um, one night I was staying at this convent and we went to mass and then they have this little sort of circle for the pilgrims after and everyone just went around and introduced themselves and said, you know, where they're from and why they're on the Camino And this was sort of halfway. It was not a beautiful place. And it was, you know, sort of the middle of nowhere. Um, And every person had, you know, had just lost someone, had just suffered some major loss of some sort, had just, you know, it was really a lot of people having, that were taking a big pause from life after, you know, something had happened. And I think just being part of being in community like that, where everyone is, Doing this thing in order to be really introspective and to, you know, take time with themselves and really, you know, figure out some things that they need to figure out. It was just a really beautiful community to be part of. And, um, you know, you could form friendships really really deep friendships really quickly. And then, you know, people could go on their way and you could go on your way. And um, that was really nice. And my sort of, you talked about picking up little stones along the way, my little totem. Um, so you mentioned earlier, Meg, Megan and her obsession with figs and the fig dessert when she was in Paris. I actually got um, a fig tattoo on my inner arm in, wow. um, in December and all along the Camino, there were fig trees. I mean, like I probably passed... 20 a day. Um, and they smell so sweet. So you could always kind of around the corner smell that there was one coming. Um, but they weren't ripe. I kept waiting and thinking like, you know, by the end of this, I, I did it in 35 days. And I thought like, by the time I arrived, they're going to be, they're going to be ripe. And it's going to be this like big homecoming. Um, and I, um, they never ripen the whole time I was on the Camino. They never ripen. Um, and then right after that, I went to the south of portugal and their fig trees had ripened i guess it's a a bit further south and you know maybe warmer temperatures but i was like okay i've you know i was thinking about megan the whole time with every fig tree i passed and then finally i got there and there were all these figs and you know just there for the taking and it felt so i was like i really felt her there you know and it was it was really a sort of a special little thing that's so nice that's so gorgeous and I know Marcy said that she planted a
0: fig tree as well. So I think I love fig. I love fig jam. So I think forevermore now I will be thinking of Megan whenever figs are around. Um and actually Megan's mom came and visited, and I took her to Pichet, which is a little French bistro. And on the on their website, there's a a, a dish with figs. And I was like, that's it, that's where we're gonna go. Cause I was trying to figure <laughs> out I wanted us to go somewhere kind of French and stuff. Um but you know, while Megan's mom was there, her friend printed out some pictures of her, and um, I actually have it here. And she printed out this picture of Megan, and uh, they put it in, in these little cards, and they left them all over Dublin. So everywhere they visited, they placed these little small little cards, which is a picture of Megan looking looking beautiful, driving an open top um old car with a scarf on her head, um, and at the back of it it says. Friends, I hope you'll all talk to me sometimes as if I were there. I'd love to hear your voices from time to time, wherever I may be. Keep seeing new places for me, Megan Rosemary. So we've been talking about her and we've been seeing new places for her. And I know like when I... When I was traveling after she passed away, I was in like Croatia and Switzerland and I was in Liechtenstein, I was in Austria, and I genuinely like thought of her along the way, you know, and like there were times where I would be having a little cocktail and I would like cheers to her. When I got back to Paris, I went back to the the cafe where we where we met, where we met and where we sat talking about um her plans for the future and <laughs> getting upset now, but that's okay because you know I think We've gotten through this whole hour without getting upset, um, but I think it's so lovely to 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 know that you know that you you spent all that time on the Camino, and and that I think as people who knew her. Um and her mom you know has said that wherever she goes now she'll 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 place these little cards she gave me some of them as well but that message of like keep seeing new places for me you know I took her mom to the the, the seaside here in Dublin and we we stopped on the side of a road and we looked out and I said well Megan here we are you know me and your mom we're seeing Dublin for you we're seeing the the, the Irish Sea um, and I think that's all anybody can hope for in life is that they leave some kind of legacy, is that they leave a memory for people and that they leave this idea that their time on earth was important and that their time on earth had an effect on other people. Um, And she certainly had an effect, you know, on me, but she had an effect on so many people. And I think, you know, as we go through the rest of our lives now, you know, we'll see See new places, and I think a lot, a lot, like a little tiny part of us will always be seeing them for Megan as well. You know, because I think that was the type of person that she was, and that's motivating for 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 people to kind of live their life and live their life to the most fullest and see as many places as you can see and don't let anything stop you and don't let anything get in your way and have that love for life um and know that life is precious and we have this one wild and precious life and to live it to the most to the most fullest and you know I'll always be be thankful a little part of me will always be thankful to Megan for for whenever i feel down or whenever I feel like that you know things are shit you can kind of be reminded of that even just for a minute and think no like cop on you know get out there and 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 do whatever you need to do um and I'm so glad that's what you've been doing for the past 10 months as well yeah (laughs) and honoring that conversation with her and and you know living your life and it's 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 been so lovely to chat to you about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. And it's so I mean, it feels like this is such a way that Megan would love to be honored. You know, I think um, she, you know, the people that she loved and cared about talking about her and sort of how how she's inspired them. um, And yeah, to your point about going and seeing places for Megan, I love the little cards, I'm going to have to, I'm going to try to get some of those out of Marcy. um, But I think, Um, you know, like going to new places and seeing them with Megan's eyes, you know, she was so it, she didn't take anything for granted. And she, I think people who travel a lot can get sort of jaded and say like, okay, I've seen a million beaches before. I've seen a million little cute little streets before I've seen a million of, you know, and I think she really saw all of those things as like something really worth seeing and being excited about. And so I think, you know, continuing to go and get out there and travel, but also to really, really see it, I think is, is such a like great way to honor her legacy. Mm
0: and i absolutely
1: cannot wait to order steak for dessert sometime as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> she would she will be smiling down on you when you do that She would, <laughs> that's a perfect way to order
0: yeah oh my gosh i can't wait i love steak even sometimes when they have steak on the menus for breakfast i always look at it and think i would love to order that but i never do because i would always be too embarrassed but now i absolutely will megan thank you for that giving me steak <laughs> for dessert um on the back of this little card as well, there is a um, direction to the website, which I mentioned earlier, which is www.drewdotson, D R E W, Dotson, D-O-T-S-O-N.com, forward slash Megan Rosemarie. Um, and if anyone wants to read more about Megan, um, it's a beautiful tribute to her and to her life um, as well. Um, so, you know, I, I really, really, really appreciate. I'm conscious of time. I really appreciate you taking this time to come on um, the podcast um, and talk about Megan. And I know that you were worried about emotions. I know I I got emotional there at the end, but I think. Like when I talked to Marcy, her mom about Megan, yeah, there were a few little tears. And of course, you you know when you talk about someone, but actually, when we talk about someone as vibrant as Megan and as fabulous and as full of life, when you talk about her, it's always in the happy way. It's always in a in a way that is funny and you know proud, and it's sometimes doesn't always come with those emotions because it's just too much happiness in those memories you know and I felt I felt that from you today and I felt that you know this conversation that we had was a lovely celebration of who she was and your friendship and the inspiration that she's left for people to kind of live that fabulous life so thank you so much for for, I know it was something that you were slightly worried about but it's been wonderful and I really really appreciate it
1: it has been. I really appreciate it. And it was it was great to see
0: you. Yes, yeah, you too. And you'll have to come to Ireland. Please come to Ireland and please come see Ireland through Megan's eyes and stay with me. And you'll always be welcome here as well. So you got to come and, and, and visit.
1: I will. I'm already getting some dates thrown at me by Abby. So I think uh, expect us to head your way probably in the next calendar year. (laughs) Oh,
0: amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about beautiful Megan. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Once again, thank you so much to Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort for sponsoring this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you feel inspired to get booking a night away on a flying solo package All you have to do is visit www.seafieldhotel.com, get booking and get entering the competition and you might just win a package uh, away as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening as always. I really appreciate it. All feedback is welcome. And I hope you have a wonderful week.